This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz Performance 24-7. I'm Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time and get right into the presentation. He's the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? I am. Uh, I'm making it. I think as we all <laughs> are in this world right now. I'm yes. here and living and breathing, and hey, can't ask for much more than that. Uh, the third member of our team, uh, he's a Renaissance man, not just here on Longhorn Blitz, but each and every weekday when you can catch him on 104.9 The Horn on the Triple Option Afternoon Show. RBKD. That is Rod Babers, Brad Kellner, and Kevin Dunn. He's our lockdown corner here on the show. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got us up back to Austin, Texas and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 <laughs> in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Rod, how are you doing this yeah, week, Yeah, you know the intro as always, brother. I needed it this week, too. I needed that intro. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, it's been hard for everybody this week. Strange times, but uh, what a time to be alive. I'm sure everybody in every, in every era of life has said that, and it's been true. What a time to be alive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, on on our show, you know, 2020 just keeps throwing different things at us. And uh, just real quick factoid for everybody listening: uh, Craig Wade threw something at me. We do an inconceivable segment every day. On I heard that today from 10 to noon. I know where you're going with this one. It was crazy. It, the last remaining child of a Civil War veteran just passed away in this country. That I heard crazy. that driving home. I, and I was like, "There's no way." And Craig went down the story and did the math, and I was like. Man, I had no idea. That's uh, it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it either. I was like, "That's no way." I don't even know that math doesn't work out. The math worked out. Yeah, you guys went down the rabbit hole. And we the did. Math I out. went down the rabbit hole so far that uh, it's crazy. This, uh, the, the Civil War veteran. So his stipend at the time in 1924, when he married this woman's mother, um, his stipend from the Office of Veteran Affairs was seventy-three dollars a month. And you might say, well, $73 in 1924. Say, dude, that's, that's, that's pretty good. With inflation today, Rod, that would be a monthly stipend of almost 1100 bucks. Damn good stipend. Yeah. You pay off, you pay off rent, pay off yeah, something man. like that. That's pretty good. 
Yeah, getting, clo- getting close to a mortgage I right now. You said like she was she was thirty something and he was eighty something when the when the child was conceived. Died. He was eighty, I believe he was eighty one and she was thirty four. Yeah, it was a forty nine <laughs> year difference or something when they were married, which yeah. is just absurd. And then Craig said though in the Great Depression uh, around that time, I guess that's when they got married. Either right around that. Um, it, that wasn't uncommon because women were just looking for somebody to take care of them. They need a sugar daddy, basically. Yeah, and, and he was. That's like I told Craig. I'm like, we got to retire inconceivable because I don't think we can. There's dude, no way we can top that. Was that was crazy, man. But that's the kind of year me. it's been. That's the kind of week it's been. And uh, Rod, I want to start with you. And uh, you know, anything you want to say on uh, the murder of George Floyd? I know oh. you talked a lot about it on Triple Option. Yeah, I've talked about it on Light the Tower. Uh, I had you know, posted my thoughts on it. On Facebook, uh, and just I've kind of had a couple different outlets where I've been able to to vent and and get some no of my thoughts out there. So, Rod, anything uh, anything you want to say? Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's been a really really exhausting and emotional situation to to watch play out. And I think the problem is that the reason that we're seeing so many people who uh of all colors right not just people of color but you know white people and asian people and people around the world internationally that are coming out and saying yeah i mean there is something going on there's uh there's still racial inequality there is still uh racial prejudice that is not only an impediment you know to the american dream uh but for a lot of people including myself i think it's a it's a cancer uh, in American culture, and yes. it is, and it and it and it, it's been it's been there for so long. This is part of the process of I think all of our all of our white brethren around us. I'm speaking as a black man. For them to, they're basically saying we we get it. We, we're watching enough, and we see it's happening. All right, that's what I think this moment is about. In my opinion, I think for a while, people of color. You know, they had to bear the burden of racism on their own. You know, I mean, it was their problem. And I think now you see a lot of young people who are, you know, they're educated on it. Hopefully they, you know, they've studied U.S. history. <laughs> and if you studied U.S. history, you know, and you know kind of the, the history of what could, could be called America's original sin. All right. And there was there wasn't a real reconciliation, if you will, from those days. And I think now those demons are coming back to haunt America. You just have a lot of people saying, "Okay, we get it. We believe that there is racial injustice. There is some racial prejudice. And unfortunately, it is too often played out with the, you know, with police departments and community policing and their relationship with the community. That's where we're seeing it played out on a national stage. And as Will Smith said, you know, racism isn't getting worse. It's getting, it's getting filmed. You know what yeah. I mean? People are just getting video. Just Everybody footage. has one of these now. And now, just like the civil rights movement when uh, white people decided, um, listen, I don't necessarily have a lot of black friends, but uh, I don't believe that any human being should be lynched or hung or have dogs sicked on them or have you know hoses turned on them and be beaten with clubs which they were watching mm-hmm. come those vi- those images coming into their living rooms they decided whoa, whoa america decided no 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 that's not what we want that's yeah. we got to change something that ain't right we you know we may not have the, op- the we may not have the answer but that ain't right and just like we watched george floyd be murdered 
um, you know, just like we watch a, a lot of other people of color, unfortunately, be be murdered at the hands of the police. I think America's just saying, why couldn't you just charge those three or four guys yes. that murdered George Floyd and were there? That's the whole point of this. And right now, only one of them has been charged. And 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 the truth is, all four of them should have. You let. Now 10,000 people are probably going to jail around the country yeah. before they just have put those four guys in jail. That's the problem. Yes. That's what everybody said. That's the problem. You, didn't, you, you shouldn't have had to convene a grand jury and all that when you saw on, on video this guy murder someone. Expedite the process then. If, and then the, 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 the justice system, if he's innocent, if he's innocent, the justice system will bear that out. That's what they tell people of color. It's like, whoa, if you're innocent, the justice system, it will reveal that, okay? <laughs> It'll reveal that. You'll be fine. And if that's the case, then let him be fair. He'll get up a lawyer, and then we'll look at the evidence. And the truth is, they too too often, that hasn't been the case. I mean, you've watched, peop you've watched cops go, unfortunately, without accountability, and even good cops. And there are more good cops than bad cops. We know they're just a few bad apples amongst a bunch, but... The truth is, those are the ones who are being exposed. They're part of the problem. Just like on the other side, the looters and the rioters, they're, they're part of the problem. They're the bad apples on the other side instead of peacefully protesting and exercising your First Amendment right. They're the ones on the other side that are, that are polluting the message. You know yeah. what I mean? And you put it perfectly there. You know, you just want equality and want those cops. If anybody is going to be complicit in killing, and that's what the chief of police mm -hmm. for Minneapolis said, then any other citizen that's equal would be arrested at that time. Exactly right. And right now, the police are not being equal. They're actually being held above society yeah. in that regard because any other human that had that footage would be charged at this point. And, I mean, to your point, Rod, it's, it's something all this past week. Like, I wanted to talk about it last week, but it's always that point that, like, you let people like you have been talking forever about this. The problem yeah. is white people haven't listened. And that's the issue that we're dealing with now. Because you explained what happened in the 60s and 70s, and it brought attention to it. Yeah. But not everybody listened to it. And that's yeah. the issue now with white America is that they don't listen to what's going on. They act as if they know that, well, no, everybody's right. Cops are here to protect these things. And if you are silent, you're complicit. I mean, Obama ran on the platform, say something. It was something that he was telling people to do. And then if that's what we got, the next generation of kids are saying something and yeah. do believe in that. And that's what we yeah. were taught. And like, I was raised basically by women in my entire family. And you saw the same thing. Women didn't have rights for a long time. Right. I, my mom had their seven aunts. I had two uncles that I have cancer. The rest are all solo families. So it was a family full of women and seeing like growing up in Austin and my family was brought here because they're educators and they like the environment. So all my aunts are old hippies that enjoy the march to go. And so to me, I thought that was normal. And then I realized that I was in this area of white privilege where I thought there this utopian played out. And Austin was more of just the anomaly to me. And I was even blinded by it. But I always make sure that I've had some of the best friends of my life say things that I was like, you know, if my other buddy that's black was right here, you wouldn't be saying that. So what the hell's wrong with you? Like, yeah. and, and, yeah. and those are the type of things. That's, and most is. people are going to sit there and say, actually, you're right. And it's because they learned it. And I have great friends that, unbeknownst to them, were raised in racist atmospheres. Mm -hmm. And most of them change. But until white people talk to white people about this, the white people aren't going to listen to anybody about it. Yep. Um, 
I, I revealed something on Light the Tower about myself. I, I don't know a ton of my friends who know me know this about me. Uh, my mom's Hispanic, so you know there was not that I dealt Rod probably near to the extent that you did with it, but I can remember uh, you know one of the early in my life, I probably kindergarten or first grade, having to ask my mom what this specific slur meant. And I remember her reaction and was hoping that I would never have to deal with that. And so I got a little taste of it, but I want to tell you a story that for me, with everything that's happened recently, it was kind of the wow moment for me that really made me think of it. Um, when I was 17, I got pulled over this, you know, my hometown by a local PD. And it was raining and, and I had an old car, the window wouldn't roll down. So the cop is like motioning for me to get out of the car. And I don't know if it was just at night, if it was the Oakland Raiders jersey I was wearing. I don't know what spooked him, freaked him out. But the next thing I know, he flings my door open, and I've got a gun about a foot from my head. And I'm, I'm being held at gunpoint. During a routine. I had a taillight out. It's a routine traffic stop. And I'm being yelled at to put both hands on the wheel, look forward, do not move. And I'm thinking at this point, like, what did one of my buddies like put something in my car? Did I get called? Or, like, I'm, It's like an out-of-body experience. Like You don't know You're confused. what's going on. So does the whole deal, you know, ask me for my ID. I reached and he's yelling at me slowly, and I, I hand him my ID. And, again, I grew up in a town, population less than 1,000. You know, my dad, everybody knows my dad. Yeah. He takes one look at my ID, realizes who I am, and says, I'm so sorry, you know, go ahead and go home. <laughs> this was right by the high school I went to. So my, high school to my house, seven minutes. By the time I got home, the cop, Chief of police. My dad had gotten multiple calls. Wow. Apologizing for the traffic stop and the way it was handled. And as I think about that now, Rod, I think, you know what? How many and, and my dad and I had a really important conversation about that. I was like, here's how you handle yourself at a traffic stop. Yep. You know, do not give up your civil liberties. Do not get out of the car. You give up all your rights when you get out of the car, et cetera, et cetera. And now I think about it with what's going on in the world, what's being exposed. And I think how many, how many young black men had to have that conversation with their parents way before anything like that happened. More importantly, how many young black men didn't get to have that chance to have that conversation because that traffic stop ended with them losing their life. And that's been kind of the wow moment for me that really makes you think like, wow, because Mm -hmm. I am, People do perceive me to be white. I do have that privilege of I I got to I got to walk away from that. Yeah. Thank God. With no incident. And so it really makes you think. And I know and, and this takes me to the other part of it that I, I want to discuss. And I know uh, some, us discussing this isn't going to be popular with some people, but you know, um, <laughs> well, this well, a problem. This goes back right to something uh something you, you said a long time ago and, and it really resonated with me um at, at some point in society we uh we stopped learning to disagree without being while, while being disagreeable mm-hmm. like we, we we have to we we shut each other out we don't listen when we hear something we don't like we tune it out yeah. uh, we hit the block button we unfriend people we uh, disassociate ourselves from people just because it might be a different uh p- opinion on a political matter or a social matter or financial whatever the case is Anything. um so we just have to be willing to to Listen, and look, if you listen and you don't like what you're hearing, that's fine. But I would just encourage everybody to just listen and, and, and let's keep an open mind and hear uh, discussion, have open, try to have open civil discourse on both sides of it. And this takes me to Texas. And we've seen 
not just Tom Herman or Chris Del Conte at an administrative level or, or your football assistant coaches. Um, I, I think as a fan of this program, the actions we've seen from Sam Ellinger, from guys like Josh Thompson, uh, somebody like Jace Febris, who was a, a part of the, the protests and the rallies uh, over the weekend, uh, the fact that you have young athletes, and not just young black athletes, Rod, young, young, young white athletes, young athletes of all different racial and socioeconomic backgrounds that are using their voice, using their platform to promote positivity and promote equality. And, hey, we recognize that there's a problem. Let's move on from it. I don't know how, as a fan and a supporter of this program, you couldn't be happier or prouder to support the University of Texas than you are right now. And I'll say this. If your response to all this is, hey, stick to sports, I want to tell you one story, and then if you guys want to finish up, fine, but, you know, we'll we'll move on. Um, I had a conversation over the weekend when all this stuff started with a former Texas player. And I'm not going to name the player because the, the player specifically, he didn't want to have his name attached to the story because he's like, look, I know how some people are going to react. They're going to say it's it's BS that it didn't happen, and and I I, I don't want to deal with that. I was like, well, I was like, I, I I've got I've got your back. I was like, let let me handle because I think people need to know. And those are the people I'm saying that aren't listening. Right. Um, when he was an active player, he was on campus and was just walking. Said he was walking in West Campus one night and had a group of white. I don't know if they were students or just white kids gathered on campus, down on West Campus, that uh, threw bleach-filled water balloons at him and shouted racial slurs. Mm. No other reason other than he was just a young black man in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. And we were talking. He's like, man, he's like, they didn't even know who I was. They didn't know I was a player or anything. He's like, I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I was like, you know what's sad? It's like, it's probably the same people that cheered for you when you made a play on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So... Just be cognizant of the fact that if you want to tell an athlete to stick to sports, to stick to standing, getting in the end zone or putting the ball in the hoop or whatever. And, Rod, I don't know if you can speak to this, but just – and I'm not saying this to disparage anybody in the city of Austin because, as Matt, you pointed out, we live in one of the most progressive. liberal, progressive, melting pot cities mm-hmm. in the country. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I say all that to say this. The next time you want to tell an, an athlete at the University of Texas to stick to sports – Think about the stuff they deal with on a daily basis that we'll never know about either because they choose to just block it out and move on or they know that's the response they're going to get, therefore they choose not to talk about it publicly. Yeah, well, the stick-to-sports comment, and trust me, I, I, I don't agree with that opinion, but... You know, hey man, you're entitled to have that opinion about, hey man, stick to sports. I come, but it dehumanizes someone. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like the, it, it. So you're we're all humans. If you can sort being, of yeah, think about that very simply, that we all go through different things. And I know there's listen, there's a, there's another side to the to the argument about race relations in this country. There are some people that don't believe that there's anything um, that is wrong with our justice system and racial relations. There are people that don't. Oh, yeah. like, Man, there are a lot of people. Fine. I don't know what you guys are talking about. America's good. And, and you know what? They're entitled to that opinion. I totally respect that opinion. But I think there are at least 50, I think 60, I think more, 60 to 60% of 65% of Americans who believe, no, nah, I'm willing to admit there's there's some, there's a problem. I'm willing to admit that, you know, I've done enough research. I've seen enough with my own eyes that there's a problem. And yeah. there are numbers on both sides. We're like, man, I disagree. People disagree with climate change. And there, yeah. 95% of scientists in the world say, hey, climate change is real. Like, yeah, I don't believe in it. Okay. 
Yeah, they're entitled we to their opinion. We just saw this with coronavirus. Yeah, coronavirus. So the people are like, man, it's not that big a deal. And there's a large majority of Americans are like, I don't think it's a big deal. But I, don't lot, think it's all, a, I don't think that's big, it's a big a deal. But and, all the doctors say something else. It's something else. But you know what? And who knows? You know, Florida opened up and Florida said, hey, man, we're opening up. We really don't care about this. We're, we're going to open up and be aggressive with it. And, you know, we're fine. And our numbers are going to flatline or they're going to continue to decrease. And the numbers look good in Florida. I mean, so who knows? Everybody's opinion. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. My point about this is, you know, there are there are people right now, and Tom Harmon's one of them, right? Who you're you're considered a leader, and you got to work with what 65% of that team is African American, mm-hmm. and right now there's a lot of Americans saying, "Yeah, man, I'm I'm t- I see the the racial injustice, I see the you know the um, the mistreatment of." black and brown people in a systemic form and we would like it to stop. Yes. You know what I mean? And white people are saying, we want it to stop. We get it. We, all right, we, we, we got our advantage. Can you just stop it now? We're a progressive society. We're done with that. Mm-hmm. Or we want to move on and we got bigger fish to fry yeah. as a country because it's our problem. And there's some people like, it's not that big of a deal. And the media may be blowing up and that's fine. But as a, as a black man, I, I date a, a, a white woman and I'm going to marry her. She's great. Dude, we had to discuss. I had to stop running. I used to run at sunrise. I don't anymore. Mm. Um, and I used to run with a hood on just because I wanted to get a good sweat. I'm trying to run. My girlfriend said, You can't do that. <laughs> she literally said, You can't do that. And she's right. Yeah. As a black man, I can't go running down Convict Hill at night yeah. with a hood on. It's just not a good idea. She's right. Yeah. And isn't that crazy? It's 2020, yeah. and she's right about that. I, I must raise my son, who's probably going to be biracial. I'm still going to have to raise him. That if you have to, if you have to, if you have the option between going in a da- to a dangerous situation, and then going toward the police, you have a better chance of survival heading to a dangerous situation. Yeah. Because if you go toward the police, there could be something. There could be something bad that could happen. And that one percent, that one bad apple, that whatever the police mm-hmm. don't, he could that that guy could be having a bad day. <laughs> yeah, and, and he can find Robbie, and that's the point. All and that's that's common in black households. You, you it's almost considered parenting malpractice not to raise your kids to literally fear the people who are so, supposed to protect and serve. And and, and, whether and that's that the biggest is, thing, right? Whether there. that is false or not, whether that is, you can say, oh man, that that, that is irrational, but it exists. It's and I think truth. all of our white brothers are saying we know it exists, and we think it exists for a reason. Yes. And even the police should be like, well, I don't want you guys to fear us. There shouldn't be no reason for us. And, and you know what? It's a disservice to the cops because now the cops look like the enemy of the state. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody thinks, and and that's not true. I I do I do I think my grandfather was this a sheriff be in Louisiana. My, I got a cousin that's a Secret Service agent. I got another cousin that's an HPD. Do I got a family that's cops all over the place? And even they would tell you, yeah, the system needs to change. And that's all everybody's saying. So whether it be you know, we can't waste a moment. Get the guys arrested, because I think even if you're a Republican or you're a Democrat, can't you agree that those four guys who were there when that man was murdered, don't they go? They deserve to go to jail? MAGA or not? Yeah. Give a damn what you vote for. Like, those guys deserve to go to jail. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I think was all we're saying. And then after that, let's get every cop a body cam so every cop's story can be told. 
So nobody can tell the, the story of the cops. So we can't, nobody can point fingers at him and he can say, man, I was in a dangerous situation at one point. Y'all don't understand. No, no, we, I want to understand. Yes. So let's get every, every, every cop a body cam and let's go back to community relations with our, with our police. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. The cops should know, they should know all the business owners in that community. And you know what I mean? Th there should be more uh, training for cops instead of just self-defense and firearm training. Right. How about community 100%. relations training? How about, you know, teach them how to relate? Most people, I don't think they are racist. I think racism is taught. Yes. That's just what I believe. And then we, we all must agree that if it's being taught, because black people are teaching it. We're teaching stereotypes to our kids about cops. Yeah. That's what we're doing, basically. Yeah. So cops aren't bad, but I got to teach my son Survival. to run away from the cops anytime, in any situation. Do not call the cops. You don't want to be in this situation with them. That's crazy. And you've chronicled and, those things. Yeah, so so my point is, I think we got to get back to some basic things, man. And we got to help our police because they, they're, they're ill-equipped yeah. to handle what's going on right now. They're, they're not equipped to handle it. You yes. know what I mean? They don't have the, 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 they don't have right now the communication skills with the, the community. They're not giving them communication skills so they can go into the community and they can de-escalate situations instead of them always escalating. And if, if my life was on the line here, I don't know if I'd always make a good decision too. We gotta be, they gotta be better trained and they gotta, if they're gonna train them more, they gotta pay them more and then they gotta make restrictions on who becomes cops. Don't, don't let the bad apples in. Let's make, let's let nothing but the good apples in. And let's pay this. the good, let's yes. pay the good apples good money and let's protect them. Let's give them resources. It's a, it's a failure all around. It ain't just, <sighs> You're good, Rock. You're good. Just take your time. You're spot on, man. It's ridiculous. Yes, the de-escalation is the it's main ridiculous. word you said. It's like we're heading toward a civil war. It's crazy. Don't understand how you can politicize it. It's just who wants to? Be, who is for racial injustice and who is for police brutality? Nobody is. No policeman should be. Um... It shouldn't be your political ideology. It shouldn't matter about that. And I don't know, man. We got to come to a place of healing. And you said it perfectly there with the de-escalation and the idea of protecting and serving. And if you're a good cop, that's what you do. And nobody is indicting those guys. That's just a part of helping the society. And the only unfortunate thing now is, like you said, cops have been scared at times. And now... It's almost as if in public they're min the minority, and that's why I'm also afraid of that tipping point. Oh, Hopefully that wave yeah. doesn't ever get to that point. But for this point, it comes down to, like you said, we're all humans. If you care for your fellow human, it's simple to see what's right and wrong, and that's There's the only that. side you need to be on. There's some of that, man. I see people kneeling. Ironically, you know, Colin Kaepernick was kneeling four years ago. You know, it angered a lot of the country. Nobody wanted to hear it. He literally was kneeling for the, the very purpose. reasons that we are having these conversations because he wanted to bring awareness to police brutality and racial injustice, and people vilified him. You know what I mean? He became one of the most hated men in this country, and ironically, the man, the policeman who murdered George Floyd did it by kneeling on his neck for five minutes till he couldn't breathe. And all Colin Kaepernick was trying to do was save a George Floyd. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and he did simple. it. He, he did it by taking a page out of MLK's playbook, who everybody wants to quote: "Civil disobedience. Find a way to bring awareness to the cause, bring it into everybody's living room, and do it in a way 
that are not going to hurt anybody. It's not going to be looters and rioters. He, he even told Eric Reed not to protest with him. He said, man, don't protest with me. Going down this avenue alone, it's going to – he knew. It's, it's going to be the end of my career. You, you shouldn't do it with me. He, he discouraged players from kneeling with him because he knew. He said, it'll be enough when I do it, and trust me, it'll – he knew the ramifications. And, and he did and it he silently right. first. Um, and he did it, yeah. And Nobody thank noticed. God for Nate Boyer because Nate Boyer is the reason that yeah. instead of sitting, yes. he kneeled because Nate Boyer, lifetime long going DBU, shout out, decided to tell him, who didn't agree, by the way. But understood. Didn't agree with him, but he said, he's, he, I, I fought for your right to do it. I risked my life so you had a right to your First Amendment right to protest. Very simple. In any way, you, any form you want to, as long as you're not harming anybody, you can do what you want to do. And he said, you should, and it's more honorable to kneel, though. We kneel, and it, it, we, 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 we honor something by kneeling. And that's why I love that, I love that Longhorn DBU interjection yeah. into the conversation. Then. Now I don't. Now people are kneeling across the country. I don't know if they're doing it for Colin Kaepernick or they're doing it for the market. I mean, for George Floyd. I, I have no idea. Well, but it's it's ironic. It's Shakespearean irony that in the end, <laughs> Kaepernick can now that, at the end. And one thing that he was trying to get everybody to do four years win. later, everybody wants to jump on board and do it. And it's like, and Colin Kaepernick was just trying to do it like MLK taught us all how to do it. You know, and you didn't want that protest, and now you don't want these protests either. Yeah. Well, hell, man. <laughs> got to get. We got to figure somehow. out a way to protest. Now, yeah. wanted to do it on the biggest stage in America, on the biggest TV show in America. I'm gonna take a knee, and everybody's gonna talk about it. And then they'll talk. Uh, initially, they'll get to the conversation as what he thought the message, and it didn't. It got polluted, and they thought it was against the flag, and they thought it was disrespectful to the to the military and and, and the cops. And, uh, and okay, I guess. All right. Sorry. No, Rod. No uh, apologies you, needed. You, you poured your heart out, man, and I just want you to know I love you. And, I love uh, you too, man. I love man, you guys, man. Now I love all of them. It needs to be more of that, too. Um, I'll say this. Something you hit on, I, I think, um, it, to me, is one of the overriding things on this. Um, I'm all for you, man. I, we can gather in peaceful protests. We can do all this. If you don't like the way things are, make sure your ass is registered to vote. Amen. I don't care who you vote for, man. But if we can... If we can be on social media and complain about it, if we can use all the hashtags we want, if we can, you know, be in the streets, uh, if you don't like the way things they are, or maybe you're like you said, Rod, maybe you're just one of these people that says, "Hey, I, I like the way things there are." You know, if you don't exercise your right to vote, I think you're missing a great deal of what the point is. I agree with this conversation. No question. And to that, and point, local elections are very key in that. They are I mean, actually um, more key, they're more important than my, the than the grand presidential election. They, no, they're more important. Guys, it's I remember having this, this very conversation with my dad and you know when we we ran a newspaper together in my hometown and I remember my dad was so invested uh in things like you know county commissioner elections <laughs> and you know uh, oh, yeah. the county commissioner was the one and I'm like dad why are you so invested in this? He's like son these are the people that these are the people that are going to control <laughs> what we do each and every day. And, no and we need to make sure you're right with these issues because yep. if there's something you don't like, those are the people that you're going to need to either go to to tell mm -hmm. them, hey, you're doing a great job, or you're going to need to vote them out of their position. That's real. So, Amen, yeah, we're just, man, we just if we just educate ourselves, man, and just are, are willing to listen and willing to ask questions, we'll get along so much better. But to that point, Rod, something you said that I think definitely needs to be said, there, there's two groups of people that I think need all the – uh, financial backing of the government as possible because I don't think you can't have bad apples in either of these professions. I think one is police officers. I mean, we need to make sure that 
our law enforcement officials it's have all of the tools that they job, need man. to do their job to the best of their ability. It's our job. And to the point I'm also focused on, which is let's educate ourselves, let's be smart. I'm, I'm sorry I'm going to use this platform for this. I, I think the public, public education system in this country and in this state is a freaking joke. Uh, that's it, the case in a lot of states. it has been for a long time. And yep, we yep. need to make sure that our teachers have the tools in the public school Amen, system brother. to yep. be able to do the job they need to do. Because, nope. Matt, right. I know your your mom is an educator. I'm, I'm married to an educator. Like, we an we can't major. have yeah. – yeah. we, we've got to go. make sure that those people are arming – the youth of America with the tools they need to go out in the real world and succeed. And it's more about them than passing tests or being proficient in this area, just obtaining knowledge. And nice, the fact that that hasn't happened for so long and there's parts of this state, uh, the greatest state in the union, in my opinion, where we live, the part where there's parts of the state where that is sorely lacking or non-existent, man, a lot of days that makes me sick. Yeah. And, and and that's the kind of stuff that we, we need to change also. And those are the type of things that whenever you start talking, who's most impacted by that? It's minorities in cities. And those are the type of things that systemically are wrong with this country that you can phrase the semantics around the labeling however you want. But it's the same reason why you have those same people impacted the most by COVID. Those people impacted most because there aren't other options. And then when you do have, say, the majority having other options and other things that they're men's, it allows you to have that privilege to be able to live a better life. So, I look, I understand there's going to be people that, that this show isn't popular with and they will tell us to stick to sports. But you know what, man? Sometimes it's it's, it's bigger than talking about long We're football. humans, too. I think that's dead, though. I think that's I dead. hope it is. Yeah. Well, and we see that, we saw that with Texas, right? We can get to Texas. I mean, Tom Herman had one of the most heartfelt uh, displays on the Colin Cowherd show. I think he almost brought Colin Cowherd to tears talking yeah. about how he looks at, you know, these players on his team as – his almost he was supposed he spoke like a father and talked about his own dad and how his dad passed away and was raised by a single mom. He said, "I just want to take their pain away." You can see you can see the hurt, confusion. You can see how the fear. You can see it all right on their faces. You know what I mean? You can mm-hmm. you can hear it when when he talks to me. He said they had a three hour virtual chat with the team yeah. and I can imagine the stories that were told and that, tears shed. All I'm that sure that stuff. that team meeting wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, I know it no. wasn't. Yeah. I know it wasn't. So, you know, I mean, it, it, Sam Ellinger uh, put out a statement, you know, on social media about it and talked about, you know, kind of his experience, how the locker room brought him closer to a lot of guys of different, you know, backgrounds and socioeconomic backgrounds and different uh, shades and different colors and different ethnicities. You know, same thing with me. I, I, mean, I thank my mom that, you know, my brother went to majority African-American schools all throughout his youth. My mom with me, she changed it when – in elementary, I went to an all, probably mostly black school, probably 95%. And then I went to Persian Middle School, which was, it was pretty much a third, you know what I mean? White, black, Hispanic, and Lamar High School, which is in the richest part of Houston, in River Oaks. Because um, she wants, she was like, no, I, I need you to get to know other ethnicities and other races. You need to learn how to talk to other races. You need to be comfortable around them because I don't want you to be ignorant. Yeah. to other races. My brother got that experience when he went to the Air Force. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think everybody kind of needs that. And Sam Ellinger talked about the locker room. And for, for a lot of people, I think the locker room is that experience. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, what's if, if, if we could put America in a locker room right now, think it, it'd solve all these damn problems. Yes. <laughs> I think everybody yeah. would be in a football locker room go, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I don't but, remember us talking about any of that stuff, but we cared about each other as human beings on a different level. Yes. It didn't, and I know I know there were guys in there politically that didn't see the same, and I know there were people in there who probably were, were gay, but that didn't Matter. None of that stuff mattered to us. 
Yeah. That's, you know, I, I talk Y'all about. Y'all coexisted. Yeah. I, and I talk about, you know, my experience around the locker room doesn't extend beyond high school. But I remember, and I'll shout him out, Greg Carter, my high school football coach, who's an assistant here in the Austin area at Vista Ridge, used to always tell us, is like, once you walk through that door, it doesn't matter if you're white, brown, black, rich, poor, both Man. parents, single parent, no parent, you can leave that all at the door right here because we're all working for one thing. We all are driven by a common goal in here. It doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing what makes the Kaepernick issue so absurd, too, because the second they walk out of that locker room and the rest of America consumes it, it's totally altered and different. That is true. Yeah. Because I mean, I'll tell you now that there were gay players in their locker rooms for years. There were guys, Dion talked about, like, oh, man, yeah, we had gay players in the locker room. Like, we knew they were, and it wasn't a big deal. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, um, and even, you know, I think you, know, you tell a story about Michael Sam. You know, I mean, he, they said the guys knew that, you know, he was gay. And yeah, teammates, they didn't, close they didn't put it out there. So he wanted it out there. Yeah. So, respecting the yeah, respecting rights of and I'm, the guys. I, I mean, I don't know how the guys feel about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? If they're against it or for it. I, mean, I don't know why anybody would be against it. But you When know, you respect people, your fellow man, you're letting him yeah, put like himself that does, out there. It does, that doesn't come up usually in a, in a team mm-hmm. atmosphere. Like, we don't care about that. We care about the human being. Exactly. And then you get to learn stuff like that and go, oh, interesting. Yeah. All right, good for you. You, you listen I mean? to what the human <laughs> was saying. Because now, like, now I have a relationship with the man or, yeah. you know, I mean, or the woman. I don't. All that other stuff is periphery. Yeah, and that's where, like, full circle with what you were saying, we're all humans, and to the stick-to-sports crowd, it's like, okay, when you come home from work, do you expect everybody to just make you talk about your work for the rest of your life? Do you talk about anything else in your <laughs> life? And, and just think about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Rod, I got something that I think will make you feel better. I, I do truly believe that you know, the racists and the bigots and people in that group, we got them outnumbered. I think so. We've got them outnumbered. I think so. I think so. I think I, I think politically it doesn't Definitely. matter what side no, of the no, no. I think this is not people to me. are like, man, I don't – racists and bigots got to go. And I maybe mean, this is my – this is I mean? me being naive. Um, it shouldn't be looked through red or blue glasses. I know, but everything is. We I know. turned a pandemic into poli- something, I, I know. a political yep. volleyball. Dude, we'll turn anything into political. That's just what we do. We're, it's something in our human nature that wants to do that, and obviously things that divide us, but there's much more that unites us. Or more of a learned us, behavior us. that we have. Yeah. So, but, that, but the locker room is a perfect example. That, and I think people don't understand, and uh, Jace Febris was very vocal this past week. Andrew Jones, Andrew very Jones vocal, yeah. was very vocal on social media, and uh, Jace Febris was actually out at the protest right. yep. in Austin. And uh, the Oklahoma player that tested positive for COVID, I mean, uh, oh, Oklahoma, uh, but, Oklahoma State, but, yeah. Right, but Beniga, is that his name? Yeah, you're close enough. All right, I'm sure I screwed it up. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, But uh, he said he was out to protest, and that's probably how he ended up getting COVID. So uh, you see these young guys and these, you know, these young student athletes, and, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to have their voice heard. They have a medium to do that. Tom Herman and CDC have already said they're not going to discourage the young men. Remember Lil' Jordan Humphrey had the – the, yeah. the, the letter to America or whatever, and everybody was uh, – some people were upset. And then, you know, they were like, CDC, you should say something to him. CDC's like, man, he's a – this is First Amendment right. He can just say what yeah, he want to exactly. say. He's a student athlete. This is his platform. Don't get mad his platform is larger than your platform. Oh, but the and image. that's what Tom Herman said. He said, I'm not going to deny these guys this great platform for being a student athlete at the University of Texas, one of the biggest brands. So it's going to be – because remember Shaka a couple of years ago, he got mm-hmm. into some political – uh, Waters, remember, and he talked about the country and who they elected and then got into, uh, you know, some of the history of the country a little bit. And Brian Davis reported that 
that uh, the president told him, stand down. Like, don't don't do that. Don't stick stick to Texas basketball. And now it's amazing. We're just in a different world just for, you know, a few years later. I mean, it talked about Colin Kaepernick and, you know, Shaka Smart even getting reprimanded for getting into those political waters. Now talking about social issues and talking about, you know, uh, racial uh, issues or maybe even political issues. Now people are getting criticized for not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you don't do that, whoa, 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 Michael Jordan even had to say, you know, said something. That was amazing. It was like, whoa, Michael Jordan said something? Michael Jordan never gets into political wars or any social issues. So I think the time, some Americans are not going to like this, the time of you looking at your sports stars as just, oh, uh, my fantasy, he's my fantasy football, uh, you know, pick in the third or the fourth round, I think those days are done. You're going to have to decide between whether you want to root for the human being who also wears that jersey for that team because these guys, start, they're going to start making their opinions known, and we're not going to like it. And by the way, that's going to be on both sides of the aisle. And that's your There'll right. be some other guys on the other side who will go, well, you know what, I disagree with this. You know, they'll make their opinions known. But you know what? Some of those will be in the same locker room, and it won't be a big deal there yeah. because we, we, are, we can disagree, as you pointed out, Jeff, without being disagreeable. Yeah. But there are some things we should all – agree on and yes, what's right and wrong very exactly. simple things some things we gotta find middle ground on you that know was my mean? issue like with with james dolan with the knicks like well we didn't <laughs> felt our we, we didn't feel we had the proper perspective or however where i'm like you can't come out and say racism is bad <laughs> very simple that, that's things. all he would have comes out well then he comes that's out tuesday and says well yeah we don't agree with racism in any shape or form. i'm like you couldn't have just said that Monday? Always yes. complicating the issue. But that I will dude. say I will say this. I, I don't agree with it, but okay, you have you have your your right to not wanna talk about a certain topic or yeah. if you don't want to not address it in a business. You know now you gotta pay the price for it because there'll be that is back for it. But it's 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 America. I don't I don't yeah. I don't want people to feel afraid to disagree. Yeah. We should all be disagreeing. That's why this country is awesome. We're gonna disagree about it. We do sports radio for a living. Half the time on this damn show, we are yelling and screaming at one another about a topic. Disagree. Yes. We screamed at each other over Duke Thomas for a whole <laughs> <That's> summer <laughs> right. one time. Exactly. <laughs> like that's the beauty of it, right? It's the beauty of sports. Like it doesn't matter our political ideology. Shout we can Thomas always if you're we can always have a good argument over whether Dak deserves to get paid or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, MAGA, Obama. Like, oh, no, man, I, we can always have that. And as a matter of fact, you might agree with yeah. that guy about Dak. And that's the beauty of sports. So let's, uh, let's disagree about some things, but we got to find common ground. We know that. Can I interject real quick? The young man at Oklahoma State, I want to make sure we get, get his name right. And anytime, like, especially when I was in recruiting, uh, I would ask kids, like, name pronunciations. And some kids like, ah, it doesn't matter. No, it does matter, man. It's your name. It, it's, it's your, your name. It's your family name. Yeah. I want to make sure I, I get it right. That I'm not so I'm going to go with the phonetic pronunciation, uh, the, the defensive lineman at Oklahoma State who tested, uh, or the linebacker at Oklahoma State who tested positive for uh, COVID-19. Amen. Agbong Bamiga. Agbong Bamiga. Ogbong Bamiga. And you got he's a good player too, so I should know the name. Yeah. Ogbong Bamiga. I like the name. Once you get it, yeah, it it's kinda, rhythmic. It, it is. <laughs> <Agbong> Bamiga. <laughs> It is rhythmic. Yeah. I don't want to be insensitive, but it sounds like maybe no. a dance or something. It is great. I agree. That was not insensitive. That's Second cool. team All Big 12 uh, yeah. performer last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, athletes, if you're listening, like, and somebody asks you how to pronounce your name, don't say, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't care. No. Care. Make it matter. I agree it's, with that. It's, it's, that's it's good, that's good advice. It's your name. Um, so we got a little bit of time left in the show today. And I wanted to go over this, uh, guys. You know, Texas is starting to bring. Athletes slowly getting guys back to mm -hmm. campus. 
and uh, I saw uh, Jake Lange, one of the guys in the player personnel department, uh, tweet Junior Aguilau came back to campus. And you would figure, like, some of the out-of-state guys, probably to get them ready for that June 15th deadline, you probably need to, you know, get them back and, and get them tested and, and make sure they're ready to go in case uh, they do need to be quarantined. Rod, we talked about the Oklahoma State situation. Yeah. like, And I don't want this to sound – uh, insensitive or anything because you're talking about human beings, but uh, you can almost look at this, Rod, and say uh, this is kind of a trial run, so to say, on, on how to do this stuff while yep. you've got small number of student-athletes that are coming back to campus or, or you know coming back into town uh, to see, okay, hey, if they do test positive, uh, you know, how do we quarantine? Yep. How do you handle? Do you handle uh, asymptomatic cases different from symptomatic cases? Oh, or, yeah. uh, you know, I think the Pac-12 I saw came out and said they're going to test everybody. Uh, and that's COVID testing and antibody testing. Shit. Everybody's getting I like it. that. And you uh, should pay for the non-conference teams you're paying to come in town. To, the schools with the money should be paying for those too. That's that's part of it. I, I saw, uh, I heard on my way over here to record this. Uh, I was catching Chad and Trey in the car. I believe Chad reported that Arkansas, I think, is one school that they're only going to test uh, symptomatic student athletes. So, uh, right, so they'll do like uh, temperature checks and all kind of stuff. Yeah, and if you've got if you're yeah, yeah. exhibiting symptoms, yeah. uh, but this comes from Jay Hartzell, who's now officially now that we've passed June first, so Greg Fenvis is officially now no longer the president at the University of Texas, uh, and Jay Hartzell is the interim president. And I just want to read this letter. And we've, we've heard Tom Herman say some stuff about how they're going to, you know, the, the process of getting guys back and getting them tested and making sure they're ready to go for voluntary workouts on June 15th. Uh, this is from Jay Hartzell's letter, which came out Wednesday morning. Uh, a recent Big 12 directive will enable football student-athletes to begin voluntary athletic activities on campus with UT strength and conditioning staff present starting June 15th, which I think we all were very much aware of that. The student athlete returned to campus task force, finalizing the policies and procedure, or is finalizing the policies and procedures to safely support these activities. The first phase onboarding program will consist of a robust screening process that includes testing, physicals, and questionnaires, mandatory physicals, daily screening, COVID-19 safety, safety education slash training conducted by the sports medicine staff must be completed before student athletes may begin the second phase of workout program. So. Rod, Texas has got their parameters in place for how they're going to handle it. And all this, it's all ramping up to, you know, are we going to have – in what iteration, I should say, for lack of a better term, are we going to have college football in 2020? We just haven't spent a ton of time talking about it on this show, but I think it's worth it to bring it up now because, okay, now you're getting guys back to campus, we're yeah. seeing guys test positive, et cetera, et cetera. Now we're starting to see, okay – what are going to be the effects of this and how more important, the important part for me is how are these schools going to handle it? And what does that kind of give us a snapshot to, and maybe how they would handle it in the fall? I know. I mean, it's the, the questions seemed almost, I mean, it's infinite amount of questions that come up in right. scenarios. Cause I mean, right now they're phasing guys back into, <clears throat> you know, kind of on, on campus activities, right. They're phasing guys back in, but, you know, more more issues are going to come up when the student body comes into exactly. the equation, right? When they allow people back on Those campus. Those questions we don't, don't even work, know. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, exactly. Unknown California is not allowing any yeah. of them So, in. by the time you do master a protocol and master a, a way to do things, it's going to be obsolete. 
Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you even had SEC so you're right. You just got to have really smart people that can adapt to this situation. Because you already had in California saying that state schools weren't going to have kids on campus, you know, and that's talking like a UCLA or a Cal whenever they come in. And then one with South Carolina saying their plan no, was – that's, 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 the, that's the Cal State system, so that's different from – you know, Berkeley and UCLA are separate from that. You're talking about like the Cal, Cal, Cal State School. That's okay. Fuller well, then I know one in South Carolina ended up saying that they would have kids until November and Thanksgiving break. And then yeah. after that, because of the idea that COVID's going to overlap with flu season and be very relevant, that they aren't even going to have kids back after Thanksgiving. So Texas and Texas A&M have followed suit with that. Basically, you're going to start the semester earlier in, in August mm-hmm. and basically say, hey, once you get once you're done with Thanksgiving break, nobody comes back, you'll just do final exams and, and you know, I mean Rod, you guys know how it goes. I mean once you get back from Thanksgiving you're pretty much just reading and reviews and getting mm-hmm. ready for finals anyway. So they're saying all that stuff's gonna be done. So that's remotely just because admits, you got you basically you got to do all that in the spring semester anyway, so it shouldn't be still foreign to If anybody. they're off by a week or two that admits though there could really be an issue of this though where they don't want kids on campus which could really murky the waters for athletes. Oh, they're definitely going to have kids on campus. Now, now, how many? That's It may go 30%. Most most of them are online. But Only athletes. So they can have college football. Because USC even announced they're going to have some kids on campus. So. Yes. And that's all so they can have college football. On their private. Mostly. So they can do yeah, whatever they, they want. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. That's true. And I think uh, I've seen this, Rod. Some schools, I think, have given students a chance, the opportunity, I should say, if you want to, if you don't feel like you can be on campus. I've oh, seen some literature where you can, yeah, you can. I know, but then people are. I know there's questions about tuition difference between people who are yeah, going yeah, to man, do it online. I know that's been. I know that's been a hot button topic. Out of state kids. As well, yeah. So I don't know. It's, there's a lot to deal with, and then the infrastructure. With, I mean, all those buildings have to be running, even if say only a certain amount of kids are on campus. But you still have to have all the facilities, everything running, all the meal plans, all the employees, and then all those I things. I, it, there's so many layers to yeah, it. Yeah, and, and that's why when we talk about okay. Are we going to play football in the fall? It's not just as simple as figure out how many people can be in the stadium and yeah. give them masks and do temperature screenings at the yeah. gate. Like, no, like for these schools, in a lot of cases, guys, you're talking about oh, completely taking your infrastructure as you've known it forever yep. and turning it upside down. And no then doubt. being afraid of liability if you don't that's, do something right and do not and are neglectful in this situation and you were supposed to be a place of higher learning and that's what they're most fearful of because you can be liable for these situations. No and, like, I mean, hell, I would rather have – Texas going to LSU to an empty stadium because Texas might get a gift and not have to play with any stands and fans in Death Valley. But, like, the reality of how to make this be implemented so quickly is going to be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised that they still, because there's no reason to rush it. You can always push back. And all other sports need football to start first. I heard the Texas soccer coach was on the horn a couple weeks ago and was talking about, well, until football decides anything, all of us are just waiting. Because they fund everything, and yeah. there's not going to be anything. So, in theory, you don't want to mess it up if there is another wave. So, you may see something be pushed back only because you easily can do so. You don't have to have your season end in January this year the way it always has in the past. It can easily be bumped back to make sure these parameters, or if you want to make sure the stands are filled, things along those lines. You don't have to rush it so fast. Yeah, I mean, I had I had Kendall Rogers uh the co-managing editor at D1Baseball.com, which those guys do a phenomenal job covering college baseball. And I had Kendall on the show and asked him, I said, you know, when you talk to college baseball coaches, what's their biggest concern? He's like, honestly, he's like, whether or not you're playing football because mm. 
that if you it don't have fo- everything. if you don't have football, it changes it changes the game completely. Wow. Well, they point. all can't survive. It's right. that simple. If football doesn't happen with the TV money for football, and wow. then for the smaller schools, gate receipts, they cannot pay. That's why you had St. Ed's cut all these, and all these other schools have to cut stuff because they can't pay for things. And football well, pays for the entire athletic eighty five percent. The other fifteen percent comes from like the NCAA tournament, and that's it. Yeah, but then. Maybe Chip Brown put it out there. 70% of the revenue that comes from football comes from actual fans attending. Yes. Either because they're the ticket sales or the concessions. And then big money. Big money being there, buying boxes, whatever. So that's a concern, too. Yeah. Yeah, You still got to pay for everything, but can you pay for everything when you're only going to get, I don't know, 30, 40, 50% of the fans and in the stands? That, and we're talking Power 5 schools can survive TV contracts. That's 60 schools, 70 schools. The other 70 D1 schools and then every D2, every D3, those are all gate receipts, and that's what they basically live on. And then they have sort of your what would be viewed as a local TV deal with whatever's yeah. going on. Man, it is a it is a logistical nightmare. And, we, you know, Ron, and we, they got to go quick. We, we've seen it We've seen it in society. Like with, with restaurants, as we've done kind of the phased reopenings of things in, in Texas, you know, you, you'll hear some restaurant owners talk about, you know what, 25% capacity, it's not even worth it for me to open the door. They have said, yeah, I've heard restaurant owners, thin yep. margins, yeah. have said, yeah, it's, it's not, not worth, worth it. it but to your point, Matt, I think to kind of wrap up everything you said, when you talk about football, and Rod, I don't know where you stand on this, but I think you're on the same page with me, you got to get this right. Like, you don't, you're not going to get, you're not going to get a do-over. Yeah, you know? and, I agree. you know, I think whether it's, you know, and, and that's like Tom. That's Hardest. where you need something like the NCAA, but they don't do anything. <sighs> don't give a <laughs> shit. Don't give a nice. Right now is the time yeah. to disband from no, the NCAA. The Power Fives could just go do their own thing right now, and it probably – I mean, they're the only ones that do choose to not give a football championship and only profit and take a cartel cut off the top. Yeah, I mean, you don't give me a start. I on know. We only have a couple. We can wrap left. it on that. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it, and this is why you've heard Crystal Conte and Tom Herman talk about this. Like, you, you, most of your time right now is just spent making contingency plans because if you're Tom Herman, you've got to plan. Okay, here's what happens if I get. Uh, if I'm able to have, you know, the, the full-blown mandatory team activities. Here's what it looks like on July 1st. Here's what it looks like on July 8th. Here's what it looks like on July 15th. And that might not sound like a big deal, but if you're talking about is there kind of a mini-camp deal in there before fall camp, Rod, you're talking about six six to 14 days. Like, that that could drastically alter totally how, what your preseason looks like. Yeah. So it's just you've got it, – it is, like I said, the best way to put it, man, at, at all levels of collegiate athletics and everything else, dude, it is a logistical nightmare They're right going to try, though. Figure everything. Oh, no. Oh, no yeah, question. for sure. They're no going to try. There's just too much at stake, uh, or at least I would say the, the doomsday scenario of not playing college football is something people don't really want to fathom because financially, I mean, that is absolutely – Devastated. It'll I mean, kill all, all gonna, other sports. Tons of people year. gonna lose their jobs. Shut down athletic departments. Sports. Some sports canceled forever. You can't. So I think they're gonna push through and try it, and, and we'll kind of see how it goes. Well, that's why I think at least you know at least if we don't know you're playing games without fans. Which I think for athletic directors and coaches is the worst case scenario. Like to have mm-hmm. fans in the stands. At least at that point, at least for the Power Five schools, at least you're getting your TV money. Yeah. So at least you've got something. 
That's you true. have money to pay the non-conference games. Yeah. You know, and some people get some money. I mean, those million-dollar payments for a team to come play Texas is the biggest payment for those schools. We'll see. The Honestly, the protests are the best experiment that we could have because if there's going to be a surge because there yeah. hadn't been large mass groups of people hanging out, there were thousands of people everywhere, in every city. Every state uh, in Every state, I'm sorry. Every state represented 71 different cities. So if there's going to be a resurgence, of the COVID virus, we're going to see it in the next like 10 to 14 days. We're yep. going to see it in the next, yeah, two weeks to a month. We'll know. And then we'll know if we're in a danger zone or not. And if not, masks work very well. And, you know, being outside transmission's not that bad. And, you know, we'll know, we'll know a lot from good it. Good sign for football. Yeah. It'll be a really good sign for football if there's not an increase in uh, COVID transmissions. Right. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, I want to thank everybody that listened this week. Thank you guys so much for hanging with us and uh, letting us have uh, a little bit of your time during the week. Uh, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rob, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rob, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game, for everybody at the Horn 1049-1019-1260, and streaming on the Horn app and thehornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on the Triple Option from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. Also get me and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, classic interviews, and shows all on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to find us anywhere you get Horns 24-7 podcasts. That's what you search wherever you get your podcasts. Google Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, just search Horns 24-7 Podcast. You get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship just by searching Horns 24-7 Podcast. And don't forget to like us and leave us a review. Five stars are preferable, but leave us a review. That's how we keep this thing going. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.